Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, the most interesting podcast in the world, covering Pac-12 football news and a podcast that exists covering Pac-12 basketball news. This is Brian Conger, the host of Wildcat Radio, and another uh, another two weeks, another podcast. We are going to talk SMP rankings. We're going to talk Pac-12 uh, basketball snapshots, ASU, and some more legal trouble uh, down the pike. And to join me in discovering all of this wonderful content is Mr. Rob Bauer. What's going on, Rob? Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, like S&P Plus's projections dropped today. Uh, beta rank, I should have complete and out the door by Wednesday. Uh, ESPN's FPI projections are uh, coming out Thursday, I believe. So it is now with uh, National Signing Day coming and gone. It's uh, it's time to, to do 2019 football already. Football is king, man. Football is always king. It will be king of our hearts, the king of the world. We have two professional football leagues, Rob. I'm, I'm excited for that. I, I, the uniforms are, are kind of fun in the other one. They remind me of the, uh, like, if you were playing NCAA 2014, just the default setting of any, like, random team, you know, West Texas A&M, and you have, like, the hot, oh, yeah. the hot shots from Arizona. I'm like, oh, that color is it's a little rough. But, um, no, I'm excited. <laughs> Did you have a chance to watch those games by chance? I, I didn't. I didn't even realize they were on until they were, like, blowing up my Twitter feed of uh, Berkovici just getting his head torn off by that defensive end. Yeah, I just saw some highlight. I mean, the Berkovici highlight was the the main highlight, and and everyone saying like, "Oh, if this is if this is what it's going to be like, I'm going to watch." Um, if that's like, I, I mean, I certainly hope quality football is also like, it gets a little better too. But yeah, um, it was. It'd be, I think it was most interesting. They hired a bunch of ex college coaches. I mean, Steve Spurrier, Dennis Erickson, um, Rick Neuheisel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, two of these things are not like the other. Two of these things are not quite the same, Rob. <laughs> I yeah, think. I know. <laughs> I mean, Dennis Erickson, yes. Uh, yeah, Rick and Usaisel, I mean, eh. He had a couple of good years at Colorado. I am curious to see. Well, we're definitely going to get to the Pac-12, and I'm really excited to talk S&P. But I, I do think one thing that is interesting that's come out of these league games is that, and it's possible that this is the case because they haven't sold as many ads yet, but there was numerous stories about the, I think it's the AAF, the Alliance, whatever, American Alliance of Football, that basically all of their games ended in two and a half hours. And that's awesome. Like how many times as a Pac-12 fan, oh, has you know, if you're not USC or Washington, let's say like you're, you're along the Arizona crowd or Oregon State or, you know, ASU, how many times as a Pac-12 football fan have you watched your team play like Cal and you look at your clock, you're like, it's freaking four hours and this game isn't over yet. Like that is the worst Worst possible situation to be in. No, it, it's it's true, and I think the the the, the ad times. I mean, it's tough because um, you know the, those ads are what drive you know revenue for the conferences, and so you know at some level you you have to suffer through it. But yeah, there's I mean the, the cheese it bowl was was about you know three hours too long. Long live the cheese it bowl. I would have watched yeah. that game for seven hours. Like I was just <laughs> so are, infatuated. You were a madman because. <laughs> It turned out exactly like we said it was going to be. It was unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> the, I guess the one other thing is that they are they got rid of kickoffs, which I thought was interesting, and they got rid of the extra point. I think you can still kick a field goal. So uh, kickers still, Rob, are people too, but even less so. Some animals are more equal than others. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, one more thing that not related to uh, Pac-12 is my favorite moment of the Super Bowl Um I actually enjoyed the game. I know it was kind of boring, but I liked some of the defensive stuff that Belichick was doing. But my favorite highlight, and this kind of tells you how exciting the game was from an offensive standpoint, was basically um, uh, Tony Romo destroying Jim Nance's kickers are people to comment. <laughs> He's like, oh, that <laughs> kicker came out with an injury. And Romo goes, yeah, yeah so are the defensive ends, Jim. <laughs> it, was, it was great. I, I just really right. appreciated that. And they're playing every play, you know, every down. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was great. Um, all right, let's talk SMP. I, I didn't know this came out, so this is like a, this is a surprise sneak attack on me. So everything that I'm going to be reacting to is in real time. But I, I do like the SMP, um, Rob. Obviously, the beta rank model that you have is is good. I, I actually really do think it's more reflective of some of the other teams uh, in the Pac-12, and we saw that uh, certainly the last couple of years. But um, but the S&P is, is excellent. I think it's obviously it, it is the most important um, national 
statistical model. So what does it say about the Pac-12 this year? Who are some of the, the let's start, let's go like, let's go worst teams. Let's get dirty. Like, what are they? <laughs> oh, you want to, you want to go that way? Yeah, let's, let's All go right. bottom up here. All right. Well, I mean, the first thing to say about it is, and, and this is true, I mean, and, and Paul Feinbaum teased this out about ESPN's FPI. Um, I mean, a major component of these is, is how good were you the year before? So um, the SEC, unsurprisingly, and S&P looks pretty good. Um, the, the FPI, ESPN's measure, has 10 SEC teams in the top 20, according to Paul Feinbaum's tweet, which is a lot. Um, but they also recruited for, I mean, like even Arkansas had a phenomenal recruiting class this year. Yeah. Arkansas signed something like almost, what was it? Like 17, four stars or something. I mean, just at our, I mean, they had a bad year too. Anyway. So number 105 in the S and P plus projection is Oregon state. Not super surprising. Oregon state's coming in at the bottom. Um, I fully expect them to come in at the bottom, uh, when I do beta rank, then there's a, there's a pretty sizable jump. Um, which is good for the Pac-12 because they had some teams that finished in this range uh, last season. So at number 68 is Colorado, which is tough. I mean, they've, they've had the coaching change. They lose some experienced players. Um, but you bring Steven Montez uh, and some of those receivers back, so you hope My that man. they can put something together. My yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on offense. I mean, Colorado could be an interesting team, though, because I, I do think Mel Tucker could make a difference on defense in year one. Uh, and they had a decent defense last year. Uh, at number 63, uh, the University of California, Los Angeles. Yeah, UCLA actually returns a ton of production on defense, but the defense was terrible. So, um, And they lost. I mean, I don't know if you, if you followed. UCLA has had a lot of their uh, – some of their former even five-star players transfer out. Some of them ended up at the University of Miami. UCLA not projected to be terribly good next year. What's their number uh, at SMP? 63. Yeah, and we should mention, so last year we made a splash in the Pac-12 scene when we did basically a preview of every single college football team in the Pac-12, and we previewed like their offense and defense and depth charts, and we did a full like 135-page overview of each team with like jokes, and but but it was all... It was all like we, we spent a lot of time in that. We're going to do that again. And we also brought on guests from other podcasts to talk about their team. So just know that that's coming uh, again as well. I almost like started diving into UCLA because the quarterback issue and they didn't have a good <laughs> recruiting mean, class. I mean, <laughs> Thompson Robinson, like he was tweeting out some, some uh, shots of him warming up for one of the games still at UCLA. So I think, I mean, like from earlier this season. So you figure Robinson, Thompson Robinson looks to be their QB this season. UCLA let's have some fun. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like they're going to be even less deep on defense. Well, in the, I guess the last, the last news that came out was the fact that (laughs) the last player that UCLA was pursuing, I forget his name, but decided to walk on at Washington rather than play on scholarship at UCLA. And if you're a Bruin fan, just, Oh my gosh. Like that's got to sting, right? Yeah. I mean, they were in, I mean, a lot of, I mean, he was being pursued by half the PAC 12 Puka Nakua, um, who just went to Washington as well. Yeah, he was their last real hope to get another four-star in their class, which, if you're UCLA, that's pretty embarrassing. Um, Number 60 is uh, California Berkeley. Um, So the Bears, uh, they returned a decent amount, I mean, a pretty good amount on on defense and offense coming into this year. Uh, But they have to have a massive, I mean, we've talked about this, I mean, for the Bears to make a bigger splash, a massive turnaround on, on offense. Um, I mean, the Bears are sort of interesting, like the S&P and Beta Rank, I would say last season and the preseason models had them roughly in the same area. ESPN's FPI had them like bananas high. I mean, they had them as almost in the top 25 coming into last season. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, it was a little much. Um, (laughs) Obviously, I felt strongly that... uh, (laughs) <laughs> beta rank and S&P had it more right and I thought uh, and, and that ended up being the case number 52 well, is like, Arizona just, just touching on Cal real fast I yeah. saw a tweet this was probably about a month ago or maybe a few weeks ago and it said Cal changes up coaching staff 
I said, oh, this is good. This is good. Mm-hmm. And I was one. I immediately thought that they had fired Bo Baldwin. And instead, so like, <laughs> and instead, like he's still the offensive coordinator. He's just coaching quarterbacks also. Or I mean, it, it was this minute change. And obviously yeah. on a team, it's it's a bigger issue because you have different coaches that will really have their hands in developing that talent. But in terms of play calling, I just thought, are you kidding me? You're sticking with Baldwin after two years of just an ineptitude uh, on that side. I don't know. It was crazy. I mean, it's weird to see because I mean, like the they've they've gone the full 180, which is sort of hard to do. I mean, under Sonny Dykes, they had that they had very good offenses, sometimes excellent offenses. And uh, the knock on Sonny Dykes was he couldn't get a defense put together. Um, and then, I mean, last year you could not have flipped the script anymore. I mean, you took Sonny Dykes recruits and you turned them into a defensive juggernaut and meanwhile you've turned them into a you know it's like a, a totally inept offensive mr magoo offense it was it's hard it's hard to believe really i'm surprised <laughs> well i'm surprised rob that nobody has poached any of their defensive coaches maybe they have and it just slipped by me but have you seen anything recently of i mean because like the defensive coordinator and, and again like last year we were just raving about that defensive uh coaching staff that he put together in addition to the yeah. the um offensive line coach was also quite good there well there was some there was some uh talk that tim de reuter um who's the defensive coordinator and i who i assume i mean i know i think he does play calling i assume he does game planning with will cox um was in line to interview for some dc jobs um i mean his name was even kicked around for houston's job um which sounds like a downgrade but houston was rumored to be paying power five money um Oh, and I believe did, Holgerson did, got paid. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. I mean, I believe they put together. I mean, even a, a power five salaries for you know his staff as well. Um, but DeRoyter, I mean, I'm I'm sure he was. I mean, he coached. He was the head coach at Fresno State, I believe, um, and got fired. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure he'd like to get back and, and get another shot at being head coach. But um, he'll he'll like to likely look to either parlay into another head coaching job, but. Um, yeah, I'm surprised too. I mean, and Cal, and we should talk. I mean, at some point, we should talk about the fact that no, no one in the Pac-12. I mean, and I'm going to leave out uh, Oregon and Washington because they didn't produce. They don't produce nearly as much football talent as some of the other states in the Pac-12, uh, particularly Oregon. Um, but no one defended their home turf. Um, and but Cal came in and just looted Arizona with Charlie Regal, <laughs> the former uh, Phoenix area high school coach. He also coached at Arizona for a bit under Rich Rodriguez. Um, Cal signed, I believe, six of Arizona's top recruits. Oh um, snap! I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cal Cal really went into the Phoenix area and, and signed some guys. One of the things uh, to think of, and and this isn't just specific to Arizona, but ASU also, I think Phoenix is like the sixth largest metropolitan area in the country or something. It's, yeah. it's insane. It's one of those underappreciated populations. And you got to think that there's really some strong talent that's out there that can be picked up. And you've seen that in Texas and Texas A&M and some of the players that have popped up across the country. So, uh, I mean, good on Cal for dipping in there and taking out some players because there's certainly some good talent in the Phoenix area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so 52, speaking of the Phoenix area, is uh, Arizona. Um, Arizona returns a ton on defense, um, less so on offense. Uh, lose the top three wide receivers. Uh, you know, one of the like, but return four of their starting offensive linemen. Uh, I mean, the big question for Arizona is: Can the offense get back to being um, more dangerous, and, and can the defense uh, finally, if ever, take a step forward? Yeah, and can Khalil uh, Tate? decide that he's going to run with the ball rather than hand it off every time he's doing a read. Um, that was quite yeah. frustrating. And I know a lot of Arizona fans pin that on Noel Mazzoni, but it was, that was a lot on Tate and it'll be interesting to see if he, um, if he can step up this year because they do have a decent quarterback in Grant Gannell coming in that will at least push him. I don't think he's going to take the job, but um, yeah. they're going to need to really get some good talent on that wide receiving core. It's funny. I, I'll say this more because at the Pac-12 podcast rather than Wildcat Radio, but there is a couple of people at AZ Desert Swarm that we're talking about. Don't be surprised if um, 
uh, oh gosh, I can't even remember the guys that Shun Brown gets selected by the Green Bay Packers or like just all this crazy stuff going like oh Arizona gosh. didn't have real talent at the wide receiving spot. And they did get a couple decent players in that are freshmen, but that's still going to they're not going to excel this year uh, on the wide receiving front unless there's some surprises, which there could be. But that offense is going to be really the interesting portion because I still think the defense is going to suck. Yeah, I mean, the defense still has far too far to go, I think. Um, and I, you're right. I mean, there's some interesting pieces coming in. Um, Arizona did sign one four-star. It was a wide receiver. <laughs> Booby Curry with yeah. one of the best incoming names in the Pac-12. Um, what's interesting is that 49 is Arizona State. Um, I mean, Arizona State's an interesting team. I mean, lots of talent still. Um, they've had like, and they've been playing. They played a lot of young guys last year. So while Arizona State's had some older guys transfer out, uh, it's guys that's for the most part have been beaten out on the depth chart. Yeah. Um, big question at quarterback. Um, you know, they they have uh, a very talented dual threat signal caller coming in, um, but you know they 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 had they had some existing talent already on campus. Um, and the defense, it was good. I like Danny. I mean, well, they weren't good. I like Danny Gonzalez. I think he's still got some strides that he's going to have to make in order. So uh, Arizona State could be a fun team. You know, Benjamin's back. Um, the offensive line is pretty good at run blocking, not great at pass blocking last season. Yeah, Merlin Robertson is a beast. Like, that guy's going to be yeah. all Pac-12, possible All-American. I don't know if he makes the first. You know, like, we, we compare Pac-12 linemen to, and then you go, oh, crap, look at that SEC team where they're all. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I do think that he's going to be a player that will at least crack that, you know, third to second All-American if, if he continues to progress because he had a heck of a freshman year. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, 36 is Washington state. Ooh, really? Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, we, should, we should talk about their, uh, their new quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he's not, I mean, Mike Leach isn't going to declare him the winner. Um, he's going to have to come and compete. I mean, I guess if you're, I mean, like it's really true. I mean, almost everybody tweeted out a stat today that I thought was really interesting that half of the teams in last season's new year, <clears throat> new year's day bowls, um, started a quarterback that was a transfer and all of them this season are projected to start a player that they didn't originally sign out of high school. That's crazy. That is kind of, that does speak to the, the power of transferring. And I really do like the fact that we always kind of joke about the portal, but that is nice to be able to facilitate players jumping from school to school. Obviously, um, I am more in favor of them being able to jump without penalty if coaches can still jump without penalty. But, yeah. you know, the rules are the rules as they are right now. And I do like the fact that that the NCAA is at least facilitating um, schools where they can match up easier. And the fact that I think he's a grad transfer, right? It, so the Eastern Washington yeah. quarterback is who is um, transferring to Washington State. His name is Gage Gabrud. Hell yeah, that's a great name, Gage. Well, welcome to the Pac-12, baby. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, Eastern Washington is known for prolific offenses, and they definitely had one. He put up a lot of yards for them. Um, you know, I really this Washington State offense. Um, I, I, I still like the core receivers they're bringing back. Um, you know, if their their offensive line was good at times last season, they weren't great. Uh, they relied on Minshew getting the ball out pretty quickly. But if they can if they can have a, a, a trigger man that can be. 80% of what Minshew was, they could still be a fun team. I think the defense has to make some strides next season, um, you know, to maybe get a little closer to where they were, um, you know, two years ago. But yeah, yeah, this Washington State team could be fun. I, I think the Pac-12 North is, is actually really wide open um, yeah. this next season. Yeah, that's true. And I think when you look at the recruiting front, it's always going to be this case in Pullman and the fact that it's just really hard to bring in top-tier talent, particularly on defense. But Leach certainly didn't do himself any favors in the sense of the recruiting class that he brought in. So um, that doesn't mean that there might not be stars. It seems like every other year, every year, actually, Washington State has a couple of these three-star guys that just play a lot better than they were scouted. And so, you know, props to that coaching staff for being able to dig a little deeper and find some of these guys. Um, But you're still going to have to rely on that if you're a Washington State fan in the coming year. Yeah, I mean, there's... So there are, there are a handful of coaches around the country who you can legitimately like they can legitimately go in front of the media and say like haha stars don't matter and it's because they have such a proven record of developing and finding ways to utilize players in their system. Mike Leach is one of those guys. 
um, like Chip Kelly <laughs> doing it. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, like the other player, like most everyone else, like you got to prove, you got to prove you can really, you know, like be a, be a little miniature football production factory of, of developing guys. And yeah, well, you not know, everybody can do it. In defense of Kelly, I thought at Oregon, you know, he wasn't known for his recruiting. He just was able to bring in the right players for his system. So it is possible. He like did a, sign a few more four stars. Yeah, that, that, that is true. That is a fact. <laughs> I mean, Anthony not, Thomas, I'm pretty sure had five stars right by that name. So. I mean, he, some of those running backs were pretty. I mean, it's not like Chip Kelly like came on like of like the the Oregon day. Like I mean, like Oregon had been good for a while when Chip Kelly got there. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not like I don't want to like poo poo Chip Kelly like all like I just I mean. Everyone, I mean, no one can trash Chip Kelly the way UCLA sites are trashing Chip Kelly's recruiting right now. So, <laughs> by the way, I miss college football so much. Like, I'm so sad. <laughs> this is such a depressing part of the year. <laughs> so, anyway, well, I mean, I guess it's more. I mean, it's all the more depressing just because. I mean, we'll get into it. I mean, there's just. I mean, there's a little. There's a little light at the end of the tunnel. I guess you could, could be on the bubble. Um, Number 32 is Stanford. And Stanford, again, I mean, here's another interesting team. I mean, you lose the wide receivers, um, but you bring back K.J. Costello, and having a, a returning QB is no small thing. And he's he's been pretty good. Um, I think we both have questions about who's behind Bryce Love, but yeah. they proved last season that they could do things without Bryce Love. Um, not on the I ground. Like, not on the <laughs> ground. But I like, I like this defense next season. With a Debo, like I'm, I'm sold. I'm 100% sold on a Debo. Like that guy's going to be a first round pick. <laughs> Dwayne Aquina, Dwayne Aquina can coach him up. Like, um, I, th- I, I think, I think the Stanford defense uh, could could be even better next season. Yeah, and as you got to assume that they're going to have two tight ends. I know they haven't been as prominent in the last couple offenses, but if they yeah. don't have a JJ Arcega Whiteside, you're going to have two tight ends that are just going to be running, you know, streaks <laughs> like try to stop them. Basically, yeah, that's yeah, my offense, man. Rest. Yeah. Yeah. The the stand the, the the old Stanford one two. Like I'm a we're going to run the ball. Well, I guess it's a one two three. Run the ball. Run the ball tight end seam route like <laughs> plot for play action um number 29 and this is uh so bill Connolly revamped his s&p rankings um and i originally thought when he was discussing it that they might actually get closer to what beta rank is um and in some ways they did but usc is a for last season is a major outlier uh, i had usc in the 50s at the end of last season bill Connolly had them in the 30s hmm. um which i thought was a little high okay. <laughs> <USC> <laughs> <You think? laughs> um he's got him at 29 i actually expect beta ranks also going to have usc pretty high they've just recruited so well over the last couple of years um that there's there's still a ton of talent you know um on this team um and you you really have you if you recruit this well you should win football games now new offensive coordinator a lot of staff shake up clancy pendergast is still there um it's not the offensive coordinator they want i think i'm interested like i think they wanted to go air raid maybe and and Maybe they wanted to get Cliff Kingsbury, and then after they couldn't keep him, they decided they needed to stay with the air raid. But um, I think Graham Harrell is an interesting hire. I think he's—I don't know that he's—I don't know that his resume is where it needed to be to get hired by USC. I think he still has something to prove. But um, yeah, interesting. JT Daniels is back. They're a little thin at wide receiver, but their top five wide receivers. Uh, are good so you know if they avoid injury um which is kind of a thing because in if they do run something air raid ish they get, they're gonna have at least three if not four wide receivers on the field jt the defense daniels. loses a ton and jt daniels the defense loses a ton ton <laughs> yeah mean. and that was that was the big that was why we were bullish on USC this year was the fact that they had Marvell Tell and uh, Porter Gustin and Cameron Smith, Cam Smith and all these guys and like and Marshall. And what mean. a depressing disaster like on defense. Oh. It really was like it was crazy that teams could just run on SC and I'm just going, yeah, I'm looking at your line and I'm looking at your linebackers. How is this even possible? So it'll be interesting to see whether or not they can shore that up. Obviously, Clancy Pendergast is a uh, we had a whole 
conversation about him and the coaching staff with Alicia Deartola. Uh, but Pendergast is a very respected defensive coordinator. So let's, you know, for the sake of the Pac-12, it'd be nice that if they could shore up that defense on the front. But JT Daniels, for me, that's the big question mark. I, um, you know, this audio could come back to haunt me in the coming year, but I just didn't see it as a freshman. Now he was a true freshman, you know, playing at USC, but he made a lot of boneheaded mistakes and just didn't look like he was ready to go and wasn't ready for primetime. So let's see if he can make the leap. Obviously, people say between freshman and sophomore year is kind of when you make the leap. And Alicia made a really good point by saying who, regardless of who the offensive coordinator is, um, Barrett has such a uh, Barrett. I'm thinking of JT Barrett. Uh, uh, JT Daniels has such a good football mind that he's going to impress them in the film room and really will probably be able just to stave off any competition if there was any in this coming year. So just something to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I'm with you. I just don't, I don't, I'm not sold on JT Daniels, but I mean, the, it is, you you do bring up a good point. It is worth remembering that more often than not true freshmen will play like true freshmen. I want them so. to do a grad transfer so bad. That'd be such great drama. <laughs> oh like, it'd be so nuts. <laughs> I mean, like if you, like, I mean, if USC, I mean, like most of the grad transfer quarterbacks are already off the table. I mean, but if, you know, if they had really gone all in and, and had brought in like a big name, um, oh, that would have been that would have been really interesting. I mean, really interesting. Like Jalen Hurts, that would have been like I would have just gone bonkers. Like we would have just recorded five USC podcasts in a row yes. based on that. I mean, well, because you, I mean, and if they had like somehow cleft, kept Cliff Kingsbury and had Jalen Hurts, like I would have, I'd have been in. Like I, I like you could you could talk me into it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So number 20, uh, the Oregon Ducks. Oh. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, so. Uh, <laughs> I guess the recruiting class too, that, that's got to bump them up a little bit. Yeah. So part of it is, I mean, and they recruited pretty well last year. This year, of course, like they went gangbusters. I mean, Mario Cristobal, um, I think he learned some very smart football lessons when he was working under Nick Saban in Alabama. He already had a reputation as a good recruiter, but um, Nick Saban, as much as everyone emphasizes the X's and O's, Nick Saban, I mean, he sold Alabama on no one will out recruit me. Um, Nick Saban realizes <laughs> you really need the best players to win most often. So um, Mario Cristobal built a staff with recruiting in mind. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, th- I, ha- I still have some questions about this team. Um, I still have this, some questions about this offense and this offensive coordinator that I think need to be answered. I think Marcus Arroyo has some growth uh, to do this next season, as well as does Justin Herbert. I have questions about who's catching the football still. Um, yeah, Dylan Mitchell also, is gone, right? Right. I mean, like, and he was he was really it. I mean, I, they've got some nice possession receivers, but without Dylan Mitchell. Who's? I mean, if you're going to count on true freshmen, I guess. Um, and then I think we both have questions. I mean, I, I, you and I are both big Jim Levitt fans, but I don't think that the defense was where we thought they would be last season. And he had pieces. That was the yeah. Real, that was the alarm for me. It was going like I'm looking on paper. This is a pretty good defense. Plus, you have Jim Levitt. Ah, oh, maybe they'll figure out the secondary and all that stuff. But at least the front seven is going to be awesome. And my my eyes were watching what my mind had already thought when I was watching the first couple games of the season, just going, oh, man, look at that one play rather than look at yeah. look at the four quarters of play and how that line and that front seven was able to. And it was really Hithliday that pointed out like, mm, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, he did a really good job. Um, and, and if well, you have questions about offense, all that stuff at Addicted to Quack um, and, and Hithliday and all that stuff, like they he does such a good job doing field breakdown and, and really was pointing out a lot of the, the holes that were in that offense. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think of the conversation. Like, I mean, I think they hit the sort of high point in the middle of the season uh, with that Washington win. Um, but the advanced stats were really. I mean, Beta Rank was never really sold on Oregon the way. I mean, I think after that Washington win, there was one podcast that said they were the far and away the most complete team in the Pac-12, or the only complete team in the Pac-12. <laughs> um, I mean, there were there were some chicks in the armor that that Stanford comeback was not a fluke. Uh, against that defense um i had them at like four to one too in vegas just to win the north and i thought i was like oh yeah man i'm gonna sit pretty on this one they didn't even let me hedge i think that's how far they fell (laughs) (laughs) yeah they did um yeah that that trip that that trip to the desert Mm. no good yeah um number 17 utah and i am 
and I, I fully expect uh, Beta Rank to be very bullish on Utah coming into this season. Um, the Utes return a lot, um, both on offense and defense. This was, you know, we, we talked about last year that this year might be the year given their roster and the schedule easing up for Utah to really come through. They ended up being a little bit of a year early in a down year last season. Um, but I, I like them with as much as they're bringing back on, on offense uh, at the skill positions, which isn't something they've had. Um, you know, they, they do have a new offensive coordinator in. Um, but I, I, I still like this Utah team. And I, I think Morgan Scaley, the, the defensive coordinator, is, is definitely underrated uh, nationally. And uh, I, I think this, you and I, we, we had talked it coming in. Um, and you, you really knew. I mean, you really knew this roster really inside and out. You know, their their problems that they had at linebacker, and we talked about it with the Utah Man podcast. But Scaly produced a really good, nasty defense. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a couple like that linebacking core was real worrisome uh, on paper, and it shows you what coaching can do and what scheme can do. And I'm just building up players, and Utah certainly has a long history of doing that. I guess the one question I would have is, uh, you mentioned you know the skill at the skill at the skill positions. I am always, <laughs> I'm always going to be a little down on wash or on Utah's wide receiving core. And, uh, I'd like to see, I need to go back and look at the numbers just in general and how well they did, but it didn't see, they didn't really impress me a ton. Um, and I'd like to see what they brought in in regards to recruiting class on that front. But it just always seems that, I mean, obviously Utah is a run first offense and, um, and that's kind of, you, you know, embrace the awesome, you know, to take pride yeah. in that. Um, but I would, that that's the one question mark I have right now. But again, I haven't looked into who's coming back and what the stats were and stuff. And we'll certainly do that over time. I think Britton Covey's back. And then uh, Solomon Enos really needs to step up for them. I think at wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, Covey's a possession guy though, right? Like, you know, yeah, but he's, I mean, a valuable Covey's, one. You need one of those guys. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm I mean, not, he's a water bug. Yeah. He's not going to, I mean, he is not going to be the guy that is out there. I mean, he, he, he needs, he needs some outside receivers to uh, draw some coverage. And he's a water bug guy with some big balls, man. That guy, that guy went over the middle. And oh, like, he took, he took I, some hits. Yeah, I'm not discounting him at all. Just I always like to see that second option that could stretch the field and, and go down and can kind of go up and climb and get some balls and stuff. So let's see uh, who steps up there. But um, cool. That's great. I'm, I'm excited that they're, they're in the yeah. top 25 they deserve to be. So number 15, and this is as high as the Pac-12 was projected on S&P Plus, is Washington. And I think this is, I mean, so Washington loses a, like Washington ranked as, ranks as one of the worst teams in the country in returning production, particularly on defense. So like what's going to jump out at you off the top of your head is, oh, Miles Gaskin's gone, Jake Browning's gone. That's true, but even more production is leaving on their defense. I think Washington ranks at like 113 or something like that on returning production on defense. So Bill Connolly's production, I'm interested to see where beta rank ends up. I, I, I shape the variables a little differently than Connolly does. Um, and I read a little bit of a different uh, math on it. And I, I'm interested to see where beta rank projects Washington because I, I think their, retur- their lack of returning production is is worrisome for me. Um, I'm also not sold on Bush Hamden yet as the offensive coordinator. Um, I think we saw the difference that Jonathan Smith made in that Oregon State offense when he went there. And I think Washington is missing Smith a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if I'm one of the Jakes will step in to play quarterback <laughs> at Washington, <laughs> one of the many Jakes they have on their roster. Um, but I, and and I like Ahmed, I do a lot at, at the backup running back. You know, now the starter, but I still have. I mean, even with signing Puka Nakua, I still have questions at wide receiver. They had a great this, but I will say this Washington recruiting class is sneaky good. They signed signed something like seventeen four stars. Um, really good, really good class. I mean, probably I think it's the best class Chris Peterson has ever signed, um, which is dangerous because Chris Peterson is a guy that definitely develops talent, um, but. Man, big holes on defense. Holy moly. Yeah, I'm curious to see how many of the secondary players return. Because I know that there was a couple of them that are going pro. And that was something that we were super bullish on in addition to great gains. Uh, and then just some of the talent all over the field. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. You said they were 16 in S&P? 15. 15. 15. So just no two above Utah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, 
But this is, I mean, the Pac-12 needs to take a step forward um, this next season. I mean, and, and that's going to require that somebody's, you know, a lot of these teams are going to have to play better their, their projections and um, some folks are going to have to surprise. I think you're going to uh, get there with Stanford. Um, I agree with you. I think that defense is going to be quite good this year. And then, of course, you have the quarterback and an offensive line that hopefully can run block. I mean, that's going to be the big thing is if they're one dimensional, then, man, that's uh, can you imagine a... <laughs> A David Shaw team that is forced to be one dimensional, like in the passing game. They did it this year, but they did it with a yeah. pretty special player. Uh, man, uh, that could be brutal. And I, I've set myself up. I mean, I, I've set myself like, you know, I don't really like since we started doing this Pac 12 thing, I probably, I root more for stories. I mean, I sound like, I sound like some like seasoned hack reporter or something like that, but that I do for teams. And like, I think this Utah team coming into the season could be a fun story. And I like, I mean, like, but I'm all for chaos up north. I mean, with with Washington having so much roster turnover, um, it doesn't look like that there's a clear favorite. I mean, I'm not. I'm like everybody's touting Oregon as the clear favorite right now. I don't know. I mean, I I still think I still think Stanford has something to say about it in the north. Um, maybe even Washington State. Chaos is a ladder, Rob. I'm looking at you, Oregon State. Chaos is a ladder. <laughs> <Let's>... <laughs> or like, what are the Cal? What are the Cal sites today put out a, a blog post? You know, basically saying like, "Hey, like the Pac-12 doors wide open. Why not us?" Sure. <laughs> yeah, there are like five touchdowns. Then you can get there. I think you can post that after that. Um, no, no, I. I I'm curious to see who emerges. I do think it's Stanford. Stanford's usually a good safe bet, and you can usually get them at like two to one odds. So um, I'll look there. Although, like, we got dinged by Washington fans for wanting Washington State to win in that Blizzard game, and um, that doesn't mean that we don't like Washington. Like, I, I think Washington is the monster in the Pac-12 th- this year, and they'll probably be in the coming years just because Chris Peterson is such a good coach. Um, and it would be nice to have two. That you know that can represent one in the south and one in the north, but again, I don't want to discount Washington. But you know, I guess we kind of overlook them because they're always pretty good, and you want them to get to that elite level so we can get another uh, team in the championship. Um, but knowing that we weren't going to get one, that I mean, I would have rather had Gardner Minshew's mustache, you know, just just slinging <laughs> slinging balls around in a in a New Year's Six game. But what are you going to do? I mean, this this Washington. I mean, like what what could be shaping up? I mean, this Washington class is very good. This Oregon class is excellent. Um, you know, this really could be shaping up as you know Washington Oregon. You know, couple year showdown between uh, Cristobal and um, uh, Peterson up there. I mean, like and and David Shaw is is not going anywhere. I mean, I, I, I Stanford signed a pretty good class. Um, they always get their guys that sort of fit what they want to do. So I, I don't know. I mean, and, and plus you still have Washington State there. So they're and Cal's getting better. So this nor this like well, well I I think if you look across the Pac-12 South, and I love the Pac-12 South, but like it's it's super depressing. Like you you're really I'm not really sure that anyone's gotten better <laughs> except Utah. <laughs> like I mean I don't, you can't really talk me into UCLA, USC, Arizona, Colorado or ASU having gotten, I mean, significantly better. Nope. Um, or <laughs> like maybe, or maybe even trending in the right direction yet. And that I think is, uh, that I think is distressing. Cause like the PAC 12 North is suddenly looking like for the future, maybe not this next year, pretty tough. Mm, good times. Um, Hey, let's go from Washington being good in the football area to Washington being good in the basketball arena. Uh, let's do it's quick. all Huskies all the time. It's nuts, man. Shouts to whoever the athletic director is. Good, good for them. Good for them. Um, Washington sitting in first place, 10 and one in the conference. They dropped their first game at ASU. And we'll talk about that win for ASU in just a bit, Rob, because it kind of keeps them in that bubble contention. But let's take a quick snapshot of the Pac-12 basketball standing. So Washington again at 10 and one in conference, 19 and five. Um, you have Arizona State, Oregon State, and Utah. Freaking Utah, man. Coach, uh, I almost said Krzyzewski, uh, Kristoviak. <laughs> it's the other coach. K. Uh, Kristoviak, man, uh, what he's done with this Utah team, getting him in conference play and playing well. I do think, look, he gets paid a lot of money, but he's also a good coach. And, um, you know, maybe if, maybe if they threw a little bit more money around, <laughs> they'd be a little better. 
If you didn't have Under Armour, if you didn't have Under Armour dollars. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but like, but really, a shouts to um, Kristoviak and the Utah team. That That is pretty impressive. Seven wins in the Pac-12. I know the Pac-12 is down, but if you looked at this roster at the beginning of the year and said, yeah, Utah is going to be tied for second um, in the backstretch of the conference play, I mean, I would have said you're crazy. So um, great on them, you know, and, and we'll keep a look and see how they're doing as we move forward. And Rob, we'll go into the... Uh, the Ken Palm numbers here in a sec. Um, but going on with the standings, you have Oregon and USC tied for third at six and five. And then Colorado, Arizona, Stanford, and UCLA all tied for fourth place at the bottom of the uh, conference, followed by Washington State at three and eight. And Cal, holy goodness, Cal is 0 and 11 and 5 and 18 in the conference. And I think, uh, Wyking. Joaquin Phoenix was the guy's name. Joaquin Joaquin Fire. Yeah, yeah, he's he's done. I think I think he's got to be got to be gone pretty soon. Um, general impressions of the Pac-12 right now, Rob. I, I mean, it's it's not great. Um, it's I mean, it's kind of fun uh, for an off year. Uh, but Washington, I mean, Washington has certainly made their move um, and, and kind of separated out from the pack. Uh, they're looking at, you know, somewhere like a five, six seed right now, which, uh, is, is, is not great for a potential regular season major conference champion. Um, but certainly, certainly where you'd expect them to win their first round game. Although those 12, I mean, <laughs> avoid the 12, five curse, Washington, get a, get a six or a four. Like, skip it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the, uh, the, like the, they, you know they, they they play that solid you know zone defense. They've they've been enough offensively to keep things going, um, and I, I like the coach. I like Hopkins. I think he's doing he's done a terrific job with them. After that, I mean it's it's interesting. I mean Arizona State. I think probably with that Washington one puts themselves in the bubble conversation, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but. Other than that, I mean, it's a bunch of teams that didn't have a great, I mean, did not, don't have anything really to speak of out of conference wise um, and have, have piled up, you know, too many losses in conference. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, Arizona, Arizona, your five flagship program in a way, the last couple of years, five straight losses in conference. Oh, they've fallen off a cliff. And just to highlight what's going on in Tucson, you had Arizona who had scored 21 points against Washington state in the first half of that basketball game. They're down like 15 or something. And Dave Hickey, the Arizona athletic director calls a press conference to publicly give him his personal support for Sean Miller while they're getting boat raced by Washington state (laughs) at home. Like that is, if that's not just the perfect picture of what's going on in Arizona, I don't know what else is. Um, But I mean, obviously you want to see Arizona um, continue to do well. I think good programs in a good conference is good for everybody. And that's not been the case this year. Yeah, I mean, the the Pac-12 is not. How do we put this? The Pac-12 is not going to get back to national stature without its national programs um, sort of pulling some of some more of the weight than they're doing. I think this argument is true in football. I think that you know the Pac-12 is, has a little bit more of a diverse power base in football with. Um, Oregon and Washington, you know, Oregon, Washington, USC. Um, and then you can usually have one other team that can kind of sneak up there to play. Uh, in, in basketball, it's really, it's been uh, UCLA and Arizona historically. Um, and then, you know, some teams have good seasons. Oregon's been better, probably the, the, the best of the bunch um, of late. But these teams really have to show up and play and they really have to, to, to help the conference along. And, and it's not only that, I mean, it, those teams playing well gives you the chance for solid in conference wins. Um, as it is now, I mean, your only shot at a resume win is, is Washington because the, the, the traditional teams have been so bad. I want to like, don't take this as a compliment, Washington. This isn't the best. Um, this isn't the most talented team that Washington has fielded in the last like decade. And they're obviously killing yeah. a Pac-12 conference. I'm excited for them to be back. And I think it's I think Hopkins is early in the sense of being able to get that team to a position where they can be a player in the Pac-12. But man, those Washington games were so fun. And those teams that Lorenzo Romar had when they were rolling. Obviously, this is a different coach with a different system. <laughs> this, is, this is not Lorenzo Romar, just like uh 
go uh go get your shot yeah you guys you guys are awesome man keep going <laughs> like uh the, but i do think that there is um there's a lot to be said about a washington program that's good because that stadium can get real loud and it's small enough where it's not like those giant stadiums where the, the crowd noise gets gets lost i think washington has good basketball fans when they're good and um i'm excited i i, I think there's going to be better talent coming to seattle over time so uh you have a really good base of basketball talent uh, that pool in seattle and portland and stuff and they'll be able to pull from there and maybe even pick off the national recruit every once in a while so very excited to see that i also want to give a shout out to oregon state for still you know still holding the line i think one of the questions we had asked was whether or not oregon state could still stay in that top like third tier and i just assumed that they would fall off because they normally fall off and look they've dropped four games they're not going to be world beaters but the fact that they're still hanging around and you know we're, we're kind of grasping at straws right now rob but in the pac-12 when you have teams like oregon state that don't have the resources don't have the coaching pedigree don't have the talent that are still doing better than your arizonas and uclas and uscs like you have to at least acknowledge that right yeah absolutely i mean and Every team you do, like, even if you're having that once in a while season, I mean, it's you should acknowledge it. And, I, and this Oregon State team is actually pretty fun to watch. Um, Trey Stinkles is a good player, you know, it's going to make all conference. Um, I really, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're a team that, you know, I think, you know, could certainly even uh, win the Pac 12 tournament. And if they stay in the top four, you get to buy, you know, you have a decent shot of winning the Pac 12 tournament. I don't think, I mean, I think Washington is definitely put some separation between themselves and everyone else but i i would not say this washington team is so dominant that they can just show up and expect to win especially in vegas yeah i was struck when when they played arizona and tucson um i guess that's what i was trying to get to where i said this isn't the best team that they fielded uh they're vulnerable they're better than other teams and and obviously their record shows that and the talent on the court shows that but th- there is you can beat this team if you're getting hot so like you're saying it'd be really good for them to get that by i really want them to i mean i want washington to win i want them to get like a four like get that four seat just a little bit higher yeah. um, and get a good matchup so they can make a run because that zone like we had mentioned in the last podcast is pretty uh difficult to play against and plan against in a tournament where you only have like a day to prepare so i'm um, pretty excited about that let's Let's talk about ASU here. They got the win over Washington at home and then um, obviously lost <laughs> to Washington State, which doesn't help. But where are they in the SMP or not the SMP and the Ken Palm numbers, uh, Rob? So Ken Palm right now, they're at number 64. Um, the NCAA's uh, net rankings, which are their new um, sort of official, which is kind of cool, I suppose. Um, statistical model has them at 72. Uh, so they're they're definitely on the bubble in the conversation. I think that Washington win really helps when you pair that with their Kansas win. I mean, the thing with ASU is is that they they I mean that that game was partly that Washington's defense just did not work. ASU really carved them up. But I, I ASU really has to to close. The, you know, now that you have this Washington one under your belt, and everybody sort of that that Washington one sort of washes the bad taste of losing to the number one seventy seven Washington State <laughs> team at home um, out of your mouth. Um, they really have to close the deal down stretch. I mean, they they need to you know maybe drop one, maybe two more games at most. They're just, um, I mean, and they need to go deep in the Pac twelve tournament. No, no early exit. I don't think they're there. I just. I- on paper, I liked this team, and um, obviously they're a little banged up. You have Romello White and Tayshon Cherry that are dinged up, so don't want to discount that. Um, when you looked at Dort and Remy Martin, who has really developed into a strong player in the Pac-12, I mean, he carved Gino. up Arizona, but he's dishing out dimes, and um, he can get hot, and he has... When he's when he's on fire, he's got the confidence and all that. Obviously, you have Cheatham. Like, those three guys, obviously Dort has fallen off a little bit, um, or a decent amount, actually, I'd say. But I was really excited about the depth that came in with ASU. You had Tayshawn Cherry and, like I mentioned, White and some of these bigger players at Lake that could come in and at least fill some decent minutes. But, man, when you take a look at the team on the court, they're just missing I, – I, I can't put my finger on it, but – they're they're we say that washington's vulnerable but asu certainly is and you can see that in the games that they've dropped whether it's princeton or washington state or some of these teams you go like my goodness guys you should be better than this and uh doesn't look like hurley has everybody on the same page for whatever reason yeah absolutely and i i I think that so somebody the athletic put out today 
Um, and I love these. These are my fa- these are my favorite things. It is anonymous coach feedback from other assistant coaches. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so good. It's like the it's, mean, the, it's the mean girls of the NCAA. It's great. I know. <laughs> like, the like the one last year. I love because somebody just some assistant Pac-12 assistant just shredded Arizona's defense. Like just said, like they have other than Kylan Wilbur, Wilborn, they're just like a, a no talent clown show. <laughs> um, I, I'm paraphrasing for emphasis, obviously. Um, but the one today about ASU, I thought was really true. I mean, they, they said, "Look, this is probably the most talented team in the league, uh, but they lack focus a lot of the time." Um, and I, and I do think it is, it, there, there are times when you have to question this team's motivation and whether they are again, I think Hurley overall has done a very good job making ASU basketball relevant and attracting talent. Um, but I think the, the in-game coaching, uh, isn't there yet. And I, I don't think he's got these guys ready to show up and play every night. Uh, it'd be nice It'd be nice to have that second team. The reason we're talking about ASU because legitimately they're the only other um, option really to get a team into the Pac-12 or in the NCAA tournament, barring Washington losing and another team winning the Pac-12 tournament. I think Washington has made it to the point where they can actually get into the tournament on their own now, which is good. That's good. Baby steps here, Rob. Baby steps. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to think of uh, were there any other Pac-12 coaches uh, that were mentioned or talked about in that article? No, not yet. I mean, the, I, 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 we did mention this a bit last time. I mean, if you are a current Adidas school or a past Adidas school, you know, UCLA and ASU come to mind. Um, you know, I'd be a little worried. Gasanola has got a big mouth. Um, and the FBI definitely has a lot of Adidas information out there beyond just what they presented at trial. Um, but the uh, oh, and then I mean, of course, I mean, we did talk about. I mean, USC is in just as much trouble as Arizona for that assistant, the assistant coach violations, which is likely a level one violation. Um, you know, for the potentially steering players to agents and financial planners. Um, so there's there's still some smoke out there, and people forget. Like, I mean, USC has the second rate, the number two class in the country coming in next season under Andy Enfield. Um, which partly may be why Andy Enfield is keeping his job. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, well, I meant right what, Arizona is USC. Well, I meant, um, were there any, which is crazy by the way, the fact that, Oh no, in the article. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, were were they talking article. trash on anybody else? That's kind of what I want to know. No, no. I mean, it was, it was pretty, I mean, it was, it was, nobody else got really gutted the way I think it's like, it's never fun to be the most talent. I mean, the team that's most talented on paper and doesn't play like it. Yeah, looking at you, Steve Alford. Looking at you. Um, I mean, people really. I mean, they 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 did. I mean, they talked about Arizona not being a very talented team, which I think we all know, you know, and that, but that the uh, the offense just doesn't the 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 offense just doesn't work. But the, there's been some improvement. You know, Williams has improved. Randolph maybe starting to figure it out. Um, sure, man. <laughs> I mean. <it's, laughs> Uh, well, hey, no, let's let's move on to because um, I, I wanted to talk about some of the other schools that have had these violations. Um, so you kind of went in, you kind of went into talking about USC, obviously likely getting a, a violation for the assistant coach, and yeah. a- Arizona now has two coaches. Uh, I mean, the NCAA still needs to do an investigation into Mark Phelps, but the fact that like Arizona fired him, I mean, the, you have Jason Shear out there, like you know, going to bat for Phelps and defending everything. But I'm kind of thinking like they probably wouldn't have fired him if uh, if he was, you know, yeah, they don't fire you for doing a good job, Rob. <laughs> so right. um, you know, I think there's definitely some smoke there. But outside of Arizona and um, well, let's focus on Arizona and USC because it seems like people are uh, kind of discounting the the consequences of an NCAA investigation just into book Richardson and just into, I think it was Tony Evans or uh, I forget the guy over at, uh, at USC, but just into those two assistant coach violations. Like what are some other instances where the NCAA has like dropped a, a significant violation um, penalty on like universities? So the Missouri case is the one that sort of just got decided. I think people were surprised at the severity that the NCAA came down with, with both scholarship reductions for the football program as well as a, a postseason ban for next season. Um, 
And what it was in this case, and this they, they treated this as a level one violation, was that there was a rogue tutor at the, at the Missouri Athletic Department who was basically doing homework assignments and falsifying work for students, uh, student athletes. Um, that is a full, I mean, the, just, I mean, the most laughable thing about this all was like the tutor got a show cause penalty. Um, (laughs) so, um, if you, if that's a level one violation, if you for a moment think that an assistant coach get it, taking money from a runner to steer players to an agent or a financial advisor isn't an NC, like a level one NCAA violation. You're out of your mind. Like that's a major violation. And we, um, we just say, on its own. We say that right now as uh, my Wildcat Radio account. I just I just popped it up while you were talking. I have 29 mentions right now because I dare bring up the fact that, that yeah, Arizona was probably in some trouble. Uh, and and maybe it's not. And maybe USC's not. And maybe these other schools aren't. But um, one of the worries, if you are uh, if you're a school that's already been mentioned and in the Pac-12, it's just Arizona and just USC right now. I mean, like. Other schools have been thrown out there. Like Oregon was mentioned by Bruce Bowen or uh, not Bruce Bowen, um, Brian Bowen's dad, who immediately like retracted on that the next day. Um, yeah. But if you're Arizona and USC specifically at this moment, um, the narrowing of the first trial against Christian Dawkins and Gatto and uh, and uh, I forget who the, the third guy was um, limited the amount of circus that that case could have been and i think what that does rob is it um it allows the ncaa to focus just on the schools that have been mentioned so far whereas if that trial if if the defense was allowed to bring up all of the evidence and all of the wiretaps and all of the stuff from adidas like basketball operations and all that stuff then you have a scenario where the ncaa basically has to say all right we need to come to jesus moment look at all these teams whereas right now they're just kind of focused so it'll be interesting to see and we mentioned this a little bit last week um but it'll be interesting to see if this next trial um if the judge allows coaches to be subpoenaed and these tapes to be played um, and really allows Dawkins to go hog wild because then I think the system starts, there's a possibility that the system collapses rather than the NCAA taking a hammer to like, you know, a -a whack-a-mole thing on on 10 schools or 15 schools. Don't you do that again, anybody else? Yeah. Um, Because that kind of looks like where we're at right now, but that could change. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely right. I mean, the, if you're one of these schools, even if like, let's say you're one of the schools that Brian Bowen's dad you know, said Christian Dawkins told me that Oregon and Arizona and, you know, Kansas and Louisville were all offering money. So the only one they actually have on tape where they have Rick Pitino in a conversation, you know, is, is Louisville um, talking about offering money to a player. But like it, you should feel uncomfortable if you are any of those other schools, because the NCAA, they don't have to put like there's there's a reason people use runners. And it's like it makes it so you have to put two conversations together. So it's not just the shoe company talking to the, you know, to the coach or to the to the player. Um now all you have to do if you're the NCAA is you just have to put in the, together the back end of that conversation. Um, so it's they're halfway. I mean, in some sense, you could say they're halfway there. Um, some of those back ends of those conversations are already on tape by the FBI and the NCAA may at some point, depending on how things shake out, end up with access to those. So um, I feel I feel worried for sure. I mean, there's there are some there, so there are some teams that I mean, like Oregon that have um, were mentioned pretty extensively in that trial. There haven't been, you know, they did not have an, a, an assistant indicted. Um, but I, I think Oregon, you should, you know, Oregon should be they're already, they've already been hit with, um, some NCAA, uh, notice of, uh, it's not notice of findings, but the NCAA basically sent them a, a notice of infractions. Um, you know, that covered a wide range of sports, including men's basketball and Dana Altman and accused him of a failure to monitor, um, his assistant coaches. Um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot in there and it's, it's not as easy. It's, it's not as simple as just waving your hand away and saying like, eh, well, you know, like they don't have all the dots there. Like, well, they're, they're, they're a lot of the way there. 
Um, but the other part you mentioned is, is true too. I mean, if you're, if you're a school that is already has enough out there to potentially be in trouble, like, man, at this point, like just blow the doors open so that you can, you get the, you know, there's, there's, um, safety in the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Disappear. Right on. Um, well, let's leave it there. Um, I think that I think like we'll, we'll keep focusing on, on football and basketball as we, we go along. I mean, we, Initially, Rob, we're going to focus even more on basketball, but it's it's rough. It's rough out there. <laughs> like it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to preview Oregon State versus Cal right now, where um, it's just it's tough. So um, Oregon State will win that game by thirty. I what and- I am what I am excited about doing is uh, obviously we're going to the Pac-12 uh, basketball tournament in Las Vegas, and so we'll do some some fun stuff surrounding the tournament and uh, some gambling advice and all that stuff. But um, in the meantime, we'll focus on some football stuff and we'll kind of keep an eye on the NCAA investigations and see what pops up because that's going to keep rolling. And then when did, when did you say that beta rank uh, rankings are going to come out? I'm hoping for Wednesday, and we should shoot for a uh, you know a podcast discussing uh, those next week. That's crazy town. Okay. So, so some back end stuff we should talk about, um, how we need to start figuring out who, who has left these teams. I think that's the, like the biggest step right now where we, like, is the beta rank stuff's like helpful, but you know, well, and UCLA is going to be really tough. Am I right? Who, uh, no, it's some of the other teams. Like we really do need to figure out, okay, who's not there, who's coming in, who transferred so that we can start really, I mean, I know it's really early, but getting the, meat of those previews out already i mean nine no, i mean last year you were doing assignments i mean i had just joined i mean relatively speaking very very quickly after the new year um and it was as soon as the pactual tournament wrapped it was all right you know here's your teams you know i had i had the la teams of diving into the rosters so yeah i mean it's coming yeah, very excited about that. We'll we'll keep tuning in. We'll keep putting up stuff uh, as we move into football season. Of course, as football season starts, we'll be going weekly. But uh, we will continue keeping an eye on basketball and then bringing up news as it comes. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, any podcast catcher out there. We are there. And you can subscribe to the podcast for free on uh, Twitter at Wild. Oh, man, I'm mixing everything up. It's late. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio at 12PAC Radio. Uh, thanks for coming, guys guys, and we will catch you next week.